0: What's up everyone? You're listening to the Anthro Alert podcast, which is the recording of our live show, Anthro Alert. You can now listen at your leisure and at your convenience. If you're new here on Anthro Alert, this is where Renee and I, your hosts, and sometimes our guests, analyze, break down, and
1: discuss different topics each week anthropologically. Enjoy. To Anthro Alert on Bulls Radio WSF 89.7 HD3 Tampa, 1620 AM on campus, and streaming worldwide 24/7 live and on the scene at tunein.com and on the TuneIn app. Of course, learn more about us at bullsradio.org or learn more about the show at anthroalert.com. So, I am uh, hosting today. My name is Renee. Um, I'm sorry to disappoint our regular listeners. Um, but the mainstay, the hero of the show, the voice of Anthro Alert, Spencer, is not going to be here today. Uh, but That's okay. We're going to carry on with Adam. He'll be here next week, though. So um, be sure to tune in then if you want to go ahead and check out now. That's fine. But we're going to have a very good show today. It's always a good show on Anthro Alert. Um, today, it's going to be more of a conversation. We're just going to kind of delve into topics. And to help me with that today is University of South Florida. Um, Department of Anthropology PhD student, Alex Webb. Hi, Alex. Hey, sir. How you doing? Uh, I am great. I am great today. Um, so I think the first topic that we wanted to kind of maybe dive into um, is uh, anthropologizing about exercise and fitness and what that means.
0: Yeah. Isn't that such a modern concept?
1: Yeah. It, um, the idea of having to exercise and be fit is is interesting and what a luxury of a concern really because these are things like I mean you, you don't really have to pay for them I mean realistically like you can do uh, push-ups jumpy jacks you can run outside if it's not too polluted like you can do all sorts of things on your own without having to pay anybody or it, or any corporation to do but at the same time like fit, fitness as a profession as an industry has seemingly exploded over the past couple dozen years, because um, now we have all these clubs that we can pay our monthly dues to just just for the privilege. Like you said, just for the privilege of going to uh, like lift, like move things around, essentially.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how it's changed its demographic appeal. I mean, it used to just be like, uh, what is that, strongman beach in Venice, Muscle Beach? Muscle it used be- to be like you know, fitness had to do had a very kind of a narrow band in um at least american society we'll limit that to this because i uh, i can't speak too much else but then you know jogging didn't come about till nike kind of promoted that what's his name bowman from oregon this guy named bowman who like late in his life decided to improve track shoes he was a track coach came up with nike shoes and that was like i think late 70s early 80s something like that the jogging really came around and so it's kind of interesting that it's uh Become less specific and more generalized as time has gone on, where now everyone should go to the gym. Where I don't, I don't think that was even the case forty years ago.
1: Yeah, um, and to 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 say that yes, it's become just more of a general recommendation to get physical activity, exercise in. Um, where yeah, that was not the case years ago, um, but also looking at the how that correlates or how that matches up with patterns of industrialization and, like, specialization in things like uh, consumer-type mm-hmm. products. So, the, like, you're talking about shoes. Like, the idea of having shoes for specific tasks. Yeah. Like, like spec- these are shoes for running. Yeah. Like, these are shoes for tennis. These are shoes for basketball. And, like, if you're playing all these sports, um, there isn't one shoe that's gonna t- that you can use
0: for all of them. Like, you need to buy a separate pair of shoes 100% I have a pair of shoes specifically for running and then I have another pair of all purpose workout shoes that I'll use for other like if I'm doing actual activities so it's true I'm even in that trap without I never thought about it before but I do I have two pairs of workout shoes yeah and I'm like I'm curious Is like and I don't know because I I don't have the I don't
1: have the figures in front of me (laughs) (laughs) but like I'm wondering like when this start like did this start with the advent of Nike Reebok um, like like, how did this become a thing? Like, of course, th- things like um, like like baseball, football, soccer, r- r- where these are played on a field. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's a functional component to some of them. Yeah, because you need you need shoes that are gonna kind of like dig into that soil and provide some traction. Um, so so obviously, there's like you said, yeah, there's like a function that t- needs to be taken into consideration. But um, when did it become so hyper specialized where? You
0: can't use a tennis shoe and a basketball shoe, right? Is that, and is that just? I would argue that that particular trend, customization, is really what we're talking about. We're customizing a shoe for a, a specific, or optimizing it really for a specific task. This this kind of obsession with optimizing things for certain things is um, that that kind of leeches into I think all domains of our life, you know. Um, Some of mine might use Twitter for one thing, Facebook for another, or you might use um, certain restaurants that are supposed to do certain things. You know, there's a good brunch restaurant, there's a good oh, that yeah. restaurant. It, and everything has kind of a specificity to it that we do now, That I don't know that that's always existed.
1: That- uh, that might be. I, I don't know. I mean, um, but yeah, yeah, like using Twitter just to be mean to people. Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> it
0: seems like people. Yeah, the the if you follow people, do it. they say the same when they Twitter? Is it like mean? And then when they Facebook, it's like I love my family. Yeah, like, Un- yeah. unless
1: you're just an all-around jerk and right. you op- you're, you're right. happy and open about it. Yeah, trifecta. You're on Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> and Facebook. Being yeah, open. but Instagram, uh, uh, and I don't know because I, I try not to use these things, but um, especially, especially, especially any Facebook derivatives, right? because a lot of things are on my Facebook. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm not going to get into that. Ooh. <laughs> the, the idea that um, things are, sp- like, specialized, and that's I wonder if that's a carryover from just, like, economic models where, where we're kind of taught, I mean, as, as a university-educated society, or allegedly, right, mm-hmm. as an allegedly university-educated society, we're taught, because we all have to take economics, that's, like, a universal requirement, but we're all taught th- of um, economies of scale. Like, like we should specialize in areas that we are good at specializing at, mm-hmm. and we should outsource everything else. So that's probably – I don't know. I, I kind of think that people end up applying that to their lives, and for sure people do. Like, like I don't know if you've heard of like life hacks or, mm-hmm. or like personal yeah. optimization. Yeah. Um, like are you familiar with the author Tim Ferriss? No. Oh, yeah! I was hoping you would be. Um, Go for it! I'll, I'll jump in. Okay, so, so um, you'll, you'll catch this real quick. But so basically, Tim Ferriss is a kind of like an author, blogger, self-help guru personality mm-hmm. who really made a name for himself when he published a book titled "The Four Hour Work Week." Oh no, I, I do know who this is. Now. Oh yes. Okay. So so basically, the idea that. Um, you can outsource a lot of the things that take up time that you don't necessarily need to do yourself or that you don't get enjoyment out of. So you can outsource a lot of those things to create more time for the things that you get more value from, Mm -hmm. whether it be like uh, economic, financial uh, pleasure, right? Um, So that's like, again, like economies of scale, outsourcing
0: things. And and there's whole – like this is a whole movement. I mean there's – yeah, it's it's interesting though because there's this kind of a mythos around that because I watched a documentary on him I didn't realize that was his name but um and he has things where he's like the 4 hour work week and then the um like the 20 minute workout he has like like workout strategies. if you go in and you're going to deadlift but and then you're going to eat three brazil nuts cuz that helps pre- you know he's got yeah, this like yeah. really uh engineered thing that you know in the real world probably doesn't function the way he yeah. It's anticipating it does but it, but it is it comes out of this obsession with how do i optimize or how do i become the most efficient or how to get the most bang for my buck and that is kind of just a, a, a there is a nature of economics and it's the economy of scale but it's also the division of labor that as as we get more individuals in, in one domain of life we can specialize them and we can communicate more quickly than we used to and so i think there's a tendency now we like there's there's a move for some people to do that same thing like the seven habits of highly successful people and all that kind of stuff is just how do you Reduce your life into optimized little pockets.
1: And, and, um, like I'm not coming at that from a perspective, of, oh, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. It's, it's really just kind of offering a critique of, or not even really a critique, I guess, but just kind of a, hey, why is
0: this? You know? And that's probably where. Yeah, it, I wasn't, I wasn't, and yeah. I didn't mean to sound implicitly oh, like no, I was no, no, negative. No. I just have tried to define what we're talking about. But, um, yeah, and, and it works for some people. I know there's those people that love, like, you know, I'm going to sleep five hours a day, I'm going to spend every waking moment working on the things I want. You know you have to find purpose in life somehow. Yep. there's lots of ways to do that. And if um, engaging in science in this way you know, is, is one way for you to find purpose in your daily life, to say I'm optimizing on all the tasks that, I, that are important to me. Sure. Yeah, and um, so therein lies, I think, the value of
1: anthropology, where we kind of ask these questions about why or what um, things are. Mm-hmm. Or, or how they came to be. And also, kind of thinking, well, how how generalizable is this? And so, when we're maybe um, looking at the work of Tim Ferriss or, or trying to critique it, which I'll do now, is again, like, <laughs> I, I before, before I wasn't, but like, how generalized, like, how can that be generalized? Like, uh, and also.
0: Yeah, could we all work a four hour work week? Yeah. And then the world continue to be as it is? Which would be, if that's true, by the way, that is. It's amazing about how much time we really must waste. Oh yeah. If it's possible to do that. I, like way. I
1: used to work and um I mean, I'll tell you I could honestly have done all that stuff
0: in in easily like half the time. But what if you're in service sector? If you're the checkout I mean I guess That's now they've gotten rid of this who's stocking the shelves at Walmart. That person but, can't just no do it in four hours, it comes no. as the task yeah. comes. You know, so it's not a very uh it's a very modern um machine assisted way to look at it, life it's it's I think it
1: comes from a a position of like privilege mm-hmm. as well as a position of like an entrepreneurial spirit where you you need to make things happen for
0: yourself and then do nothing by the way yeah I grew up with so many people that yeah. were wanted to be entrepreneurs, and that was always like like start a business, get someone else to run it, pay them well, and then never do anything again and I was like yeah and not sure so there's
1: anything wrong with that I
0: mean that's sort of isn't I'm not sure that that is the road to happiness people think it is but uh yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to being a business owner, which I am
1: not a, a business owner. whatsoever. I do have a at least one friend that I know of that's a business owner, um,
0: and he's very busy. Right, and I all, all my friends that are business owners are very busy people. Yeah. It's like a it's like a myth. It's like you, you just yeah, this idea. It's it, you really just end up doing a, a lots of jobs yeah. instead of no jobs.
1: So uh, along the pattern of trying to use anthropology to to generalize to different things um and and using that as like a critique or even just a way to generate models for like how we would expect things to work i think i think that's one of the good things that i've learned about anthropology in my studies you know as a an an undergraduate anthropology minor right i took six courses i know there were I, I can't
0: name all of them that's more than more than undergraduate <laughs> anthropology than i've taken yeah. so
1: yeah but like you're like the pro of anthropology now of all like five <laughs> classes i've taken yeah. now at the phd level <laughs> thanks <laughs> but no, but um yeah like uh, uh th- a lot of the comments and critique that you have it just to me it comes from like wow you know he, he might have he might not have had the undergraduate or the master's training in anthropology but um he comes from things with an anthropological perspective. So then, my question—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll go oh. into this then. Ooh. What, like, how, how, is this something you can teach? But can you teach people to think anthropologically about things? Or, I mean, are you <laughs> indicting the entire program right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nobody, nobody's listening. It doesn't matter. are all at a party. <laughs> right. Um, like, can you can you teach people to think anthropologically, or? and it's, it's probably obviously a combination but or is it like some people have it some people don't
0: uh, I think I mean like like anything else I think it's, it's whether you want to um, I think I for me personally I'm always motivated but I like problems more than anything else I like understanding how things work and I like problems and problems tend to be defined by people and they're in certain situations. And so it requires a really a holistic sense of thinking to really understand a problem, which is why I would have picked, that's why I did pick anthropology or something like sociology or psychology or I wanted something where there's no boundaries to anthropology. I think that's the other thing. You have to be willing to go, like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know? Um, but I think I'm probably atypical from a lot of anthropologists in that, in that way that that's kind of what I'm interested is is looking at it that way. Um, can you teach it um i think I, I don't i mean probably i wish i could get everyone and i try to encourage anyone who who has to suffer through a conversation with me uh to try to think of things just a little bit differently but certainly uh, a lot of people don't want to want to think about life in a meta way and i don't i don't fault them for that at all
1: yeah uh, i i um i kind of sometimes i i jokingly uh tell
0: myself oh, i just wish i was less aware of the mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. you know because sometimes that's easier. Yeah. Well, and it depends, too, what you mean by the world and which one you're looking at. I mean, I, I'm less... I, I, There's a hyper-focus on these meta aspects of where do we get our knowledge from and why do we make these decisions and, and where does all this come from and what do we mean when we say culture? But there's lots of things people... You know, my uncle's an electrical engineer and he designs little systems and all sorts of cool stuff I have no idea how to do. And so, you know, I don't know that my joy is any worth any more than his. You oh,
1: know? yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And it you.
0: certainly... Its value to society. His is yeah. probably worth yeah. more than mine,
1: so, which which is problematic in one in, in itself, um, just in that we we value some things more than other things.
0: I guess that's normal though. It's just yeah. part
1: of being human. Well,
0: and again, it'll it'll that'll vary across space and time too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I often think this is this is one of my uh, things that I get um, frustrated with because I'm not a. Um, uh, there's so much anthropological theory that I'd never really heard like postmodernist theory or oh that's my ball Marxist theory that I enjoy but um I I don't always don't first I don't think you have to take these kind of schools of thought um you don't have to take the whole thing and you don't have to throw the whole thing out and it's interesting in academia it seems like it's that way like you are you aren't a Marxist or you are you aren't a postmodernist. and the idea of just borrowing some things is seems um people are less interested in that but uh I, yeah, I didn't really get introduced into any of that stuff later, and so I have a real hard time with sort of really strong cultural critiques about should we. A lot of it's actually ideological. It's actually what i would have come to is that the idea that we should be valuing this. That's how, anytime you say that, there's there's an ideological underpinning, which is okay, but it's sometimes expressed as a scientific theory, and I think it should be um, more coherently stated. The idea of equality, that's an ideological Standpoint—that's not a scientific standpoint. People don't. That just—it's not naturally it, occurring that that happens. So, it, yeah, um, the idea that we want to create a more equitable society is actually an idea. It's not unlike religion, and not, it's not unlike saying "love your neighbor." It's not—it's in that, to me, that category of, of thought. Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so not necessarily a law, right? Could we look at like laws of physics,
0: or even something evidence-based, right? Oh, okay, because w- we could say um, there are law, like yeah, there's so there's. What we call scientific theory, which is laws, really are the same as theories, and it's it's just they've we treat them like laws because they have yet to be refuted and they've been proven a lot. Um, so any scientific theory is just a preponderance of evidence that suggests something, and then we could get get We can replicate these things enough times. Um, the idea of of pursuing equality, though, that's that's not a um, there's no evidence that that should or shouldn't be one way or another. It's based on a series of goals. It's based on the type of society we want to live in, the way we want to feel, the way we want to, all these things. These are And those ideals have changed through time based on your social constraints. Um, I was thinking about this. I was looking at a thing that was showing like birth rates and um, uh, average age of death in the mid-1800s. Uh, people dying around the age of 40, uh, most people having like six kids, most women, sorry, mm-hmm. or having uh, six children. And uh, 30% of those kids were going to die before the age of five. So when we try to like look back and judge like pre-industrial or industrializing, the industrialization process or whatever, you just got to realize you're looking at a whole different set of physical constraints and um, social constraints on how they defined problems and approach their life. So a lot of times I get I get frustrated by discussions of power and stuff like that, as if it's been some long conspiracy through all of humankind everywhere. When yeah, like
1: we're like we're playing an Assassin's Creed video game or something,
0: right? And we're finally gonna find the villain, the big yeah. bad villain. We've just been leveling up yeah. this whole way, um, where they just had different decision matrices uh, matrices back then because they had different constraints and different problems. I mean, if you had to like. Uh, and we and we see it now. Like if we want, you know, issues with gender. Like if you were dying when you were forty and you need to have six kids, you start. You had to have kids kind of early, and yeah. you needed those kids if you wanted to expand society, which wasn't ideal. But that wasn't ideal. That at least in America, that was it. That was Western expansion. Yeah. That was you're gonna we're gonna run a farm that t- requires a, a, lot of kids, a lot of manpower, and so you you need to do this. But, you know, how, how long is it take to have six kids? What else are you going to do while you're having kids? And then, you you're, you know, just get your kids to an age where they're self-sustainable before you die. Yeah. Um, all these things, all of a sudden, having kids at 15, 16 doesn't seem that ludicrous. But now, it seems insane. Yeah, but totally the, the social conditions are different. We don't need all these kids. We need less. Well, we, I can't say <laughs> net based on our economic system. We still have to grow, so yeah. we still need uh, like yeah. you know some sm- at least some semblance of population growth. But the conditions are totally different now. You know, you're going to live so much longer. You can have kids longer. You can so those things are all different. Um, and so I uh, not to say that you know people didn't have bad experiences back then. I think people have always had bad experiences. I guess that's my other thing. I think like people have always had joys and sadnesses, and they they interpreted those experiences. In ways that we probably can't even actually imagine,
1: uh, and they yet, would have
0: felt a sadness at something mm-hmm. that I wouldn't make me sad now, or a joy at something that I might seem trite. And uh, and yet people still talk about, oh, you know, in simpler
1: times, mm-hmm. you know, that's like a common phrase that nonsense, that hear. yeah, right. Just different problems, just different problems, different yeah. problems, different ways, right? Yeah. Talk, like you'll hear you'll hear that as a critique now for. For youth in, uh, in the modern world with access to these application phones um, and social media and how it's it's terrorizing or creating such a uh, a corrupt and harmful environment mm-hmm. right to be to grow up as a child and thinking oh well you know simpler days you know 20 <laughs> years ago well, it's just a little different like, right. like you're saying it wasn't you know you still you were still
0: bullied. Absolutely, or yeah. You, you
1: were still bullied or you still bullied or you kind of just flew under the radar. Right.
0: Or as we're finding out and not finding out, we've always known, but depending on your position and your time, you know, which that simpler time, whenever that was in, in physical time. If you grew up in the 70s, there's if certain populations of people had a really hard time, much harder time than they would have now. And so, yeah, yeah like you said, like it depends on who you are for when you're talking about and then what, what kind of problems you wanted to find. Like, was it better to be punched in the face by the bully or to have... 40 people tweeting at you i don't know the answer to that um i, I don't know that they're commensurate i don't know that we no. can necessarily like put them side by side but it is interesting and and
1: um that's one of the things i like about anthropology is that it tries to call attention to those things Why well, I, well, I just assume that anthropologists <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't really know i don't know man you've been uh, in
0: anthropology longer than i have you tell me
1: yeah i mean just a little bit longer yeah. but not really a whole lot um, all right, so just to remind everybody, you listen to Bulls Radio, WUSF <laughs> 89.7 HD 3 Tampa, 1620 AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and on TuneIn app. And this conversation is brought to you by USF student government. They're footing the bill for this. So this is – if you're a student, this is where your fee headed to, to help us um, talk about the stuff we're talking about, which today started off asking questions about exercise, and we kind of wandered, wandered – oh, no, telephone, sorry. Um, wandered around into conversations about um, simpler times. Simpler times, simpler yeah. Simpler times. So we're gonna that take, didn't exist. We're going to take a very short music break. Um, yeah, okay, I found the button. We're going to take a very short music <laughs> break. We will be back before you know it, so uh, keep it locked on Bulls Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to uh, Anthro Alerts uh check us out anthroalert.com we're on twitter at, at @anthroalerts but um again if you're just using twitter to be mean probably do not message us we don't want to hear it <laughs> um and i'm not checking it today because honestly it's just a lot to keep track of at one time uh feel free to call us on the show 813-974-9285 live call in hour happening right now i'm looking right at oh, the line please do <laughs> so um i can i will have to i'll have to screen you off air though just to make sure just so you don't cuss or anything but uh, again, this is Bulls Radio. This is brought to you by USF Student Government, WUSF 89.7 HD3, Tampa, 1620 a.m. on campus. And uh, you're probably checking us out on tunein.com right now, or uh, maybe this is the podcast you're listening to. Whoa, we're like in the future. Whoa, that's yeah, crazy. Um, that's how things work now. All right, so, um, yeah, what about like power differentials and power dynamics? Like, what's that's, that's an interesting thing. And um, so, if, if we're going to talk about power and how we as human civilizations and communities create uh, systems of community i 'll mm-hmm. just say I mean, we could we could sure. clarify terms if we want but systems of of community building to help differentiate and establish power, um, one of the things that that people have done historically is has done that with religion mm-hmm. um, so yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, it's funny. See, this is one of these things. Like, had you asked me at different points in my life, I would have vastly different answers to that. To this, like line of thinking. Oh, me too. Um, and I, because I grew up in uh, Utah, which has a very strong uh, politicized religion, uh, the, um, the Latter Day Saints, the Church of Yeah, Mormons. Church of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, what? So, um, okay, so what makes that politicized? In that they. Um, uh, it's so high, high density that most of your representatives are oh, Mormon. Most of your local representatives are Mormon. They, um, you know, they got really interested in Prop Eight. That was there was a big thing on them. They they funded a bunch of money for the uh, gay ban marriage in in California. And they're um, they're not overtly politically active, but they just the, a lot of the the, the power and decision making rests on their shoulders. And I guess that's what I mean by politicized okay. religion. Um, which, which I think, to be honest, is totally fair. If you're talking about it, it was an area founded by people of this religious faith, and they have certain things like alcohol restrictions and stuff that's um, kind of key to their faith. And I and I, they should be allowed.
1: Yeah, know. exactly. So if if the community shares a certain set of values and, and, yeah. and norms and expectations, then um, then I, the people who represent them should reflect that as well. I think.
0: Yeah, and I think this is one of those interesting things about power and one of the things that I think, as an anthropologist, I struggle with it. Not that I don't think it exists. I think that's if I to clarify that. It's bananas to say that there is no such thing as power. Um, but, but it is um, an intangible, for the most part. I guess it can be – again, everything has to be clarified. If you're someone with some authority, you can exert physical violence. You could say that's a form of power. But if we're talking about the kind of latent who has power um, – You know that, that for the most part, we give people power, right? Whether the way we feel about ourselves and the way we feel about them. Oh yeah, that's
1: that's and that's sorry to interrupt you. And that's like a key thing that you'll hear in, um, uh, like, management trainings or like how to how to be a good leader, how to be a good Mm -hmm. manager. Is Mm -hmm. that power can't necessarily be taken; Mm -hmm. it has to be given, right? Um, But 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 going back to like community society. Yeah,
0: so it can be taken, and sort of the role of the state, and it gets, uh, you know, what do they say? Law is just the. rigid enforcement of cultural values you know um so you can sort of create a state actor who now does have in some way through physical force like i said or um legal force have some sort of power that way but a lot of the power in society is just who we think is smart who we think is dumb who we think is attractive who he isn't who's who's impressive to us who isn't you know and that obviously has a lot of cultural undertones about how we interpret people um and so uh, power becomes very, very complicated, very fast in my mind. So I, get, I have a hard time sometimes with uh, structural violence um, or uh, a lot of sociological concepts of uh, demographic powers because I think it does have to do with uh, where anthropology we study micro microsystems. And I'm not sure how, often these, how far these, these systems of power really carry um, and how much they're mitigated through microcultural thing. So a Mormon culture has a certain set of values that's going to mitigate the overarching power dynamics that it might be throughout the U.S. And someone in the South might have slightly different interpretations of those same power dynamics. So when you talk about things like race, sex, um, religion, all those kinds of things. And so uh, I always have a hard time with the generalization that this is. And not to say it doesn't sometimes exist, um, but I uh, I'm uncomfortable with it sometimes. The how quickly people go yeah that's that that's always this this always happens it's always worse to be this kind of person it's always better to be this kind of person it's just like it's very unanthropological to me to mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. um,
1: um, it, yeah it's, it's okay so it's very unanthropological to say that and uh, but yet but yet that happens a lot like people people get into their own bubble of comfort mm-hmm. or their their sphere of
0: of uh, influence yeah you've reduced reality down to a yeah. series of Deterministic thoughts, like if you're this person, this happens to you. If you're that, and I, I feel like that's, so you can become even anthropology sort of, um, ethnocentric in your ideologies. Yeah. I guess if that makes sense. Oh, okay, uh,
1: that's interesting. Uh, it's it's also it's just an interesting way to approach asking questions about uh, religion, um, power, community. Um, so I grew up in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Rural, ah. rural New Mexico, just just south of U- south of the state next to Utah. <laughs> no, wait, wait,
0: hold on. What was north of you, Colorado? Oh no, that's right. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, yeah I, I was
1: right. Yeah. I was actually trying to say New Mexico's next to Arizona, which is south of Utah. Yeah, but I went the other way.
0: Both things are true.
1: I went clockwise instead yeah. of counterclockwise. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I grew up in uh, rural, rural New Mexico. New in the highlands S- up there? No, no, no. Grant County, New Mexico. Okay, so it's in the south western corner, mm. or oh, in that area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very close to Mexico, very close to Texas, because, you know, Texas, they kind of scoop under there, mm-hmm. you know, that little scoop thing. Yeah. Under, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what, what that would be a g- term is. I don't know. Whatever. Or not geographers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I, I'm not, I don't care. But uh, anyway, so it's like a borderish kind of country, you know, 80% Hispanic, um, and predominantly well, I don't know. Predominantly, it, from my perspective, it seemed it seemed predominantly Catholic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Roman Catholic, or mm-hmm. I guess is the proper term. And so, that, so my family—that's that's how we grew up, or I grew up as Roman Catholic. You know, went to the Sunday school, um, which there's a term for. It, I just don't remember. So I did that all the, from first grade or or kindergarten. No, first grade, all the way through to maybe age, like sophomores. Junior in high school, I don't know. That's mm. a long time. Yeah. And basically, you're doing that every single week, plus church, every single week. And um, for a lot of that, I just hated that. <laughs> like, I actually got, like, like, I would get, like, anxiety, like, sitting in church, mm. where I would f- I would just feel physically ill. And I don't know what or why. And I could probably look back on it and kind of yeah. explore those things, but... Um, yeah and so the solution for me then was just to uh go to go to church hang out for five five or so minutes once things got rolling I would just step out and wait outside and, yeah. I, and you know until I, until it finished and um that helped that helped the anxiety quite a bit <laughs> Did not be,
0: I had a similar experience because I grew up uh so I started maybe going to the mormon church uh when I was eight and then by the time I was twelve, I was like I had similar feelings to you and, and it 's interesting how uh, i wouldn't I know some, you know, you you definitely had friends where their issues with their religion or whatever might also have to do with religion, issues with their parents and kind of internal strife. But I was always just genuinely uncomfortable with the the, the tenets of the religion and and sort of it didn't um, make sense to me. Um, So when I try to add it all up, I just go, well, this doesn't – and you know you're like 11, so you know everything. So you've oh, yeah. you've mapped out the world, and this doesn't fit into it. So, yeah. um, so uh, I had the same thing. I just would I would just go, to, to show my face, and then leave because um, it might I get the high anxiety. Yeah. And actually, for me in general, um, belief in a god was a very anxious. I think because I was uh, there was always this discussion of what is perfection and it's something you strive for, um, uh, and that always made me incredibly anxious. And so. Uh, not believing in God was actually a really big relief to me. Okay, that's yeah, it's a little personal tangent, but
1: uh. no, and and um, actually one one that I sh- personally share as well. It it's uh, yeah, there's it just there's just a long period of my my life that um, it it was just trying to see how could I fit myself into this model that I'm learning mm-hmm. of how th- of how re- reality works, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, once I was okay with. Saying okay, actually, don't have I don't have to do that. Yeah, uh, it just, it just things got things got a little better. Yeah, for me.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it, and it's and I think there was probably a period, certainly my mid-teens, although I was. Uh, not, a lot of my thoughts weren't good at that you know at that age or not I, I, I don't know many people that, that would be I mean right right. so I was, I was getting all kinds of trouble and stuff so I didn't have a you know I didn't and, and the church is just kind of there as a reference to a reference point for the things that don't you know for any sort of authority figure. I wonder had I been in a different environment, would I just have disliked that authority figure and that's kind of the stretching of youth and pulling boundaries and stuff like that. And so I, I think I didn't like it, but now I really appreciate um, uh, the Mormon church. Now, as an adult. I don't believe in it necessarily, yeah. but they have lots, a lots of social. They're very socialists. Everyone donates a yeah. chunk of their income, and then it redistributes to the community for people in need. And um, everyone do- works on volunteer labor for the most part. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool system.
1: Um, so, so from your perspective of being like of growing up in that community, uh, wh- where do you think like non Mormons or non U.S. Mormons get their information about? the LDS church.
0: What do non-mormons? Yeah. So like oh, I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's interesting cuz I just uh once I left. I mean, I say most of my 20s I lived other other mostly abroad. Um and so Mormonism is it has a pretty global reach but not the way like Catholicism does, not like that. So Yeah,
1: again like thinking about um Spain and and um yeah, like a lot of those uh, uh um religious-associated states and their quest for empire. Right. Um, that's that's probably where a lot of that comes from. It's right. Just that people were just colonized into it. You know, they didn't really have a choice.
0: Right. And that was sort of the, that was a, one of the driving forces of colonization, right, yeah. to introduce this religion. <laughs> so, But, I like, I lived in Korea, and they, nobody knew what Mormons was, no care. And then uh, I lived in the Caribbean for a lot of years, and no one <laughs> ever. Um, so it's, but I, whenever I'm in the States, there's always people go, oh, I know someone who's Mormon or yeah. something like that, you know. Um but I don't even know what reputation it has. I don't. I, I don't know. Partly for my own life, I don't spend a lot of time with people talking religion. Although, as I've been in Florida longer, a lot of the people I've met and become friendly with are religious people. And so it's been interesting for me. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah.
1: Um, have you ever heard of the? Uh, there's a television show has been running here in the U.S. for uh, probably globally. I figure. I don't. I don't really know how that works. But um, just a small, you know, low budget, low budget te- television show called South Park. <laughs> uh,
0: have you heard of it? Uh, you know, I'm an adult. I don't watch cartoons. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, I used to watch it when I was younger. So, Because um, those guys, he used to be Mormon. Oh, did he?
1: That's, yeah. Okay, that's, that's where that knowledge base comes from. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, so I didn't know that. He um, had a movie before South Park you should watch, too, called, is uh, it called, Orgasmo? Orgasmo. Yes. But that yeah. he plays a return missionary in that. Oh, right? okay.
1: I want to yeah. check that out. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, in in addition to actually taking a, Course at Arizona State titled Religion in America, and, <laughs> and learning about a lot of different religions yeah. in America. Yeah, um, I, I, I learned a few things through uh, South Park. Yeah, um, and w- one of the things. So there was that. There was one episode in particular of South Park where, you know, this new kid is in school and he's Mormon. And like he 's nice, and everybody likes him, but like some someone else is – one of the other kids is like, "Yeah, but you know did you know this about?" and they're really just kind of bashing the mm-hmm. the uh, Mormon church like like most of the whole episode, and then like towards the end um it's it 's revealed or it's just shown, yeah, so all those things are true, but um, we still have great family lives, and you know really focusing on on the social aspect mm-hmm. of yeah. Com- community and, yeah. and time spent together, um, and that, and that if that, and if that's like, you shouldn't be judging people for other things. Be, basically, trying to because we have a secret handshake. Yeah.
0: Does that mean that we yeah. need to? I so and I a hundred percent agree with that. And there's actually a great South Park episode where they go uh, way into the future in a secular future, and it's just um, one faction of atheists killing another faction of atheists based on a you know, it's this idea that. Um, religion in itself is inherently divis- divisive is i think silly i think yeah. that it's very um that's comes that's like an ideological idea that's not human nature is to be divisive over a number of things and oh, so
1: oh i mean a, a good example is just like politically in the us mm-hmm. okay i mean there are people on, on either and there's really like two I mean, well i mean there's more but i mean there's two there's big two, two right? big sides you got a big fake dichotomy of, going of uh, of p- politics in the in the us and um and people on either side of those, they 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 share they probably share a lot of common ground in terms of religion, mm-hmm. but but politically, mm-hmm. they diverge. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe in the U.S. religion would be the great unifier. It might be.
0: <laughs> it might be. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, I remember my having a conversation with my uncle who I grew up with, uh, and when I was like, "Look, I don't want to go to church anymore," and he's like, "That's fine." I was like, "I don't really." believe in a god i guess you can call me an atheist and i've always just said i'm more indifferent i hope there is a god just because i fear death and i don't, so, I don't want so, there to be an athlete but he uh looked at me after i said that and goes well i assume atheists still have to have a value set and so and then and, and this was when you know like i was young i was fourteen, like fifteen, 14 15 and so um and he was always a very gruff guy and so but i think that was our our bridge point because then we didn't talk about um or argue about things we discussed our values to each other and we've done that ever since and it, I, I would say it improved our relationship because it, it what, didn't come down to whether I believe these particular rules that are uh, often superficial that, that involve religion and they're about ritual and they're about community building and I'm actually uh, I, I think they're great um, but uh, it was more about do you think you know what do you think about kindness do you help other people why you know those kinds of things
1: yeah and those are conversations that I, I don't think happen enough outside of religion Like Mm -hmm. in in a general sense of Mm -hmm. terms, like like I I don't know that these are conversations that you hear too often uh, in like popular culture.
0: No. And I think because especially because popular culture now and regardless of whether you're a, um, you know, some kind of alt right, whatever, or you're a social justice warrior, they tend to be both very combative about their. Um, and they're not seeking common ground. That's not the goal of it, where, um, especially religion, when you get together, that's the point. And I, I've softened so much towards it because I think I read this interesting book by John Marks called, I think his name's John, his last name's Marks, um, called 98% Chimpanzee. And it's a book, more on genetic, uh, genetics, but at the end he has this discussion about how essentially we've burdened science, or this move away from religion towards science has, has created this unnecessary and Unanswerable burden on science to prove the why of, of why do things happen, why does life occur, why do these things happen. So, you know, science can describe some things, but it doesn't really give you the why of it all. And so, I, I it kind of landed where I, my thoughts already were to say that, like, well, we you, this is the thing, like, you might hate a religion, but then you go outside of it, and there's not something out there that's suddenly replacing that fundamental idea, existential. Uh, feeling about the why of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are um, just really deep questions. These are deep thoughts, there's, there's, Jack there's, Yeah. <laughs> there's just a, there's a lot there's a lot to that, and uh, um, so then like who who's supposed to provide these answers? Right, right,
0: right. And so I, I so this and this is my thinking when I get into issues when people get too fired up about power and power structures and stuff. I think a lot of the time way we uh, mo- the social construction of reality from a postmodern sense which I agree with has is, in my opinion that was problem driven not power driven we have a problem and then we come up with try to come up with solutions to it I think sometimes that creates winners and losers and people benefit from decisions that are made collected by the group but I don't see it as some nefarious development scheme through time I think it's just we tried to. so religion wanted to spread this idea of answering the why of it all, you know what I mean? And I, and I do believe there was lots of people, I, I, I think they did a lot of damage, but I don't think they intended to, and so, I mean, that's just the reality of it, in my yeah. opinion.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah I, no, I agree, uh, and just uh, recap that for our listener. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, but just to recap that for you, the reality is that there's probably not an overarching uh, villain throughout time that seeks to control um, everything that is, was, or will be, and so on. That note, we're going to take a short break. <laughs> we're going to play some tunes. We'll be, we will be right back. So again, keep it locked on Bulls Radio. So that was uh, Will Smith uh, getting jiggy with it. Hope you enjoyed that uh, that tune here on Bulls Radio, WSF eighty nine point seven HD three Tampa sixteen twenty AM on campus and streaming worldwide. You're probably checking us out right now on TuneIn.com or on the TuneIn app. Um, from my from my experience, I think the app works works. Excuse me. The app works better than the website, but I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) If you had one of those fancy uh, HD stereos, you could probably just and you were sitting outside our transmitter uh, because it's like a. a, I don't think it broadcasts very far, but you could probably check us out. All right. So um, yeah, we just finished talking about just just kind of kind of you know dipping our toes into ideas of power and how religion helps uh, explore questions around around the ideas of power Mm -hmm. um, as you know anthropologists like to try and ask these questions Um, so I'm going to try and loop it back and and say like how things so so religion or a religious experience doesn't necessarily need to be a super supernatural or uh, uh, with or with some sense of otherworldliness right I mean, you, you, people can get people claim people tend. To, they say that they have these types of, of ethereal. I'm sure I use that right. Um, ethereal experiences through types of like physical movement or physical exercise. So like um, you know. Dancing or uh, uh, the cult of CrossFit. No offense yeah. to CrossFit, you're great. You're great, people. Yeah. Keep lifting um, <laughs> as many as you can, as, as quickly ma- as you yeah. can. AMRAPs, baby. Yeah. What, what's the wad? <laughs> okay. And anyway, uh, but just th- just thinking about how re- the the idea of like religious formation and religious community, how how that's mirrored in other patterns of society. So, so um, like, I like, would exercise yeah, for example.
0: Yeah, especially on that like kind of mental health angle. Because sometimes you wonder, there's, I think there's probably two, well, there's probably lots of functions, but there's there's two scales of looking at, you know, the religion as a, um, does does two of us have to engage in it for it to be a religious experience? I think that's one kind of religion, religion is culture. Um, but then I, you know, there is that, is there that individual, like you said, kind of ethereal experience? Does that always require another human? It seems like we like to do those things together, but we don't necessarily have to. Um, but w- when I think of those Maybe feelings that I don't have because I'm not particularly religious exercise does tend to be my uh go to my wife always hates it because anytime she said any any ill that she has if she's tired or this hurts or that I'm always like, did you drink enough water and did you move your body around yeah that that's that's the cure to everything if you don't feel good do lift something heavy a few times drink some water because L- it puts your life into perspective absolutely. There's, this, uh, there's a Henry Rollins quote, and I never say it right, but uh, he's a, he was the singer, a uh, punk singer from Black Flag. Has super interesting life, though. Just kind of uh, comes from nothing and slowly made himself into now, he, now he's a fairly well-known celebrity author and actor and stuff. But he's, he was a big fitness guy, and he's big, always really, really big. And he said something about, um, you know, the, you always have this negotiation about who you are with the rest of the world. But at the end of the day, if you can lift 200 pounds, it's always 200 pounds. And it doesn't lie. So I, whatever else what anyone's saying, there's always this degree of uncertainty in our lives. But there's something about fitness where you can go, "Well, oh, I know I lifted that; I could feel it."
1: Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I I feel like you've told me that quote before.
0: Probably it's it sticks with me. Yeah. Okay. Or or, <laughs> <a> bit, <sorry>. <laughs> or <laughs> this, that was for the radio yeah, show. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, for I the, forget. For the listener I out for, there. Yeah.
1: Thank Thank you, mom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> mom. <laughs>
1: Uh, is your mom listening? Did you no. tell her? You told her? Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: well, I think you have to. You have to be like within eight feet of the studio, oh, right? Yeah, so, what? Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know where. The, I don't know where the actual transmitter is.
0: Oh, oh that's a good point.
1: I, I don't know where these wires go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not plugged in the wall. Like we <laughs> fall, in, it's not plugged in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you
1: know, I'm looking at these lights, and the, the lights tell me that we're we're <laughs> up, but you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that's all the time we have.
0: Oh, that it? We just squeezed. It? Nice.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh well, it's a fifty-one minute mark. Um.
0: Talk about fitness. You're the fitness guy, so I do it for my own mental health, and I, I advise anyone who doesn't feel good about themselves to at least make make the effort. I think if you're doing a lot of exercise, you still don't feel good about yourself, we got, you know you got some things to work on. But I do think it's the shortest route to feeling some sense of satisfaction, some sense of just being alive and being a human, and just to exert some physical energy.
1: Yeah, I definitely come at it from that perspective with, with the idea that the human body is a um, – a, a movement machine, mm-hmm. and not really a machine because I don't like the the mechanistic idea of that. Um, and that's, and that's, mm. uh, it's just I don't ha- I don't have a better word for it.
0: No, 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 but I but I agree that idea of machine because that feeds back into this idea of optimizing it. And yeah. you know, and there are all kinds of people with it, like,
1: and, and also w- when you look when you approach it from like a machine perspective or a mechanical perspective or. Um, a modular, I think, is probably mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say, is that you can look at oh, so if one part is maybe not working right, you can just you can address that one part specifically, and then you fail to address it holistically, right? Which yeah. is which is if if you just look at the basic at a basic if you just look at a basic level, there's a growing an infinitely growing body of evidence, a body, you get know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. a body of evidence that nice. shows that the the human body is not a independent set of different modules that's that work that work right. together that just fit into pieces like a lego set or uh, an erector set or a, what I don't know what something yeah like a drone yeah <laughs> right um I'm getting too fancy <laughs> but but it's really the, the relationships between our s- body cuz you you grow, you learn this in school like the seven systems of the body i don't know how many there are. but like <laughs> the systems of the body yeah that they're all kind of independent, but they work with each other. But but the reality is probably that they're, they're the boundaries between them are probably much less defined than than we. Um,
0: yeah, they're only independent because we're calling them independent. They're it's, clearly not because yeah. we're uh, sitting here breathing. Yeah,
1: um, it's it's just a way for us to kind of approach how to understand, yeah. better understand it really.
0: But it is kind of it gets us in the end because we do start thinking of things yeah. as distinct parts when yeah, they're. Yeah,
1: not. It's, it's especially from a fitness perspective, because you hear you hear it all the time. I hear it all the time in the gym, um yeah, I just you know I wanna get my Instagram abs, but it's not like a one like you mm-hmm. gotta get other like it's all together, you know
0: one of my the lectures, my cousin who owns a gym uh, does like a boot camp gym, and that's his thing is you cannot choose where the fat comes and where it goes
1: just yeah, just assume that it's gonna leave in the place where you want to keep it <laughs>
0: right? and it's
1: gonna and it's gonna stay in the place where you're trying to lose it right um yeah. and uh exercise I ain't gonna do anything for you there, you got right all nutrition and even then it's
0: a body it's, type right there yeah. are body types yeah. the same way there are ty- yeah. the same way you can be six feet tall or five feet tall yeah. you have a body type
1: yeah that and that oh man it gets into just huge issues of like what people should or should not be in the u.s but or uh or western culture but uh all right so that's our that's our <laughs> show today i hope that you enjoyed listening to us this was anthro alert uh, again, this show is brought to you by USF Student Government. They're paying the bills. They're keeping the lights on. They're Thank making you so sure much. they're making sure that on air sign is lit up. Um, we're paying our our f- to be on there. I don't know what it costs actually. Eighty cents. Right? Yeah, it's probably not that much.
0: That's where they're paying us anyway,
1: right? No, no, they pay. They don't. How do they pay you? They don't pay me. Uh, but this was. Uh, this is Bulls Radio WSF eighty nine point seven HD three Tampa sixteen twenty AM on campus and streaming worldwide at TuneIn.com and on the TuneIn app. Um, yeah, you know, go uh, go pick up some some uh, go pick up some paper, you know, with some words uh, bound in a book and uh, read a few pages and then move your body around. Move your body. Drink water. That's uh, that's all for today. Thanks.